is sponsored by Rick Woodward and the Agency Real Estate. Supporting homeowners to maximize their final sale prices and achieve personal goals through property. For more information, visit theagency.com.au. I'll give you an example. When you're young, you, you, you're kind of playing to, to make a name of yourself, kind of, you know, more yeah, or less. Yeah. Out of 10 players, you have eight players like this who you don't think about yourself, but you, you are here to prove something. You want to prove a point to people that you belong yeah. here and you deserve to be here. Patrick Vieira doesn't care. That he play good or he doesn't play. He doesn't play good. He doesn't care. He's won the World Cup. He's won the Euro Championship. He's regarded as the player who changed the Premier League. Henry is the same. Campbell is the same. They don't need to prove anything. So they just play for what's matter. And what matter is only the results. We play for the results, but maybe some of us played also because we had to prove a point that we deserve to be here. I, I, I don't know if you understand where no, I'm yeah, coming I, from. I do, where I I'm coming from. 100%. But I do believe it's an important point, you know? Yeah. You are, are you happy it, with that, Jules, being an Arsenal fan? Are you happy with that? No, well, you're always... for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're... No, well, there's always the financial reasons, you know? But obviously, as a fan, like, I still feel like the time that that we didn't win anything was the time that I was understanding football a lot more. So when I think when the Invincibles were around, I was only about maybe 10 or 11. So I, I wasn't really... That, that knowledgeable about football whereas growing up you know that's when Fabregas was there you were there Leb, Nasri those sort of players and despite their financial situation I still feel like there were some seasons where we played amazing and, and it was very 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 good to watch whereas so you, you kind of had that consolation that you knew that we couldn't f- compete financially against other clubs as you say but I think I said Wenger did a great job in building something with the players that were there it's, it's not even a great job. It's just, it's more than a great job, you know? If you, look, yeah. if you look, I think the moment when he was able to sign a big player is really bang on the 10 years of the mortgage being done, you know? Mm. And I think it was probably Ozil. I Ozil, think the first yeah. player is Ozil. But before that, for six years, there were no big players. The big player that yeah. they brought was probably Arshavin, but he didn't come for big money, you know? Um, so it's not great job he did. He, he did behind you know what was or what could have been expected at the time and if you look back you just look back and you, you will realize that we miss yes we miss uh some experienced players uh but you see today today we're talking about player 100 million fees yeah, and you know, salary that goes yeah. over you you don't have that you don't compete it's simple yeah. as that you don't have that today you don't compete i think yeah. um Honestly, I think we could speak to you forever, Gail, with Arsenal. Like, what an incredible team. But I feel like um, I really want to delve in. I've got one question. Um, Go on, Chef. So, just for moving from Highbury to the Emirates um, in your time, was the atmosphere different in, in, in obviously, going from Highbury to now playing in a, in a, a lot bigger stadium in the Emirates? Because for me, as a, as a kid growing up watching Arsenal, when games were in the um, in Highbury, like it felt the atmosphere, you could feel it from watching. From obviously now they've moved to the Emirates, I feel like the atmosphere isn't the same what it used to be. That's my opinion. What would you say? Yeah, it, no, it is. It is true. You know, I think Arsen Arsen himself said that when when the club moved to Emirates, they kind of lost their soul. You know, and and I would say. It's not simple as that, and it's not totally accurate. But I would say that 
in Ivory, you had fans that were coming to support the team. Emirates is a big stadium. If you go there, the, the seats are magnific magnificent. The box, you know, for people to stay inside, drink and eat with big TVs are amazing. But all those people are not dying fans. You know, they're just people who want to watch a good event. Like me, when I go to a boxing game, you know, boxing uh, fights, I go there because it's entertaining. But, you know, I don't support neither this one or this one. Yeah, so those yeah. people sure. are Arsenal fans, but they just stay in the box, example, and they would just chat and make contacts and do this and do that. So you still have those dying fans, but the stadium is twice as big, it's not, if not three times. So you lose that. Um, you know, it's the mm -hmm. same for, for West Ham when they were at, when they were at their whole stadium. Yeah. It was a yeah. very hostile place to go. You know, it was oh, it was disgusting to go there. You know, and then <laughs> now they're playing this big stadium and they have exactly the same situation. You don't hear them as much. They don't push the team as much, and the results are what Arsenal were with a little bit more quality. You take that stadium from Stoke City away and you put them in a massive stadium like that. I'm not sure it's going to be that um, scary to go again, you know? So, yeah. but you have to do it because you have to bring incomes. You have to bring yeah. money. Yeah. And if you want to be a big club, you have to be, if you want to be, if you want to be called a big club, you need a stadium that brings things like that. And, and I think they have probably the best stadium in the Premier League now, hands down for me. Uh, but it comes with a cost, I guess. Yeah. I, I do have a question that's just slightly off script because I'm a massive Liverpool fan. I just watched uh, John Terry speak to Jamie Carragher on Anfield being um, the best place he's played for atmosphere. I just want to know as a Liverpool fan, because it was a dream for me and uh, as a kid, obviously didn't quite have enough talent to, to play for Liverpool. But what, what was it like playing at Anfield, Gail? Well, don't, don't take it wrong. It's always yeah. been difficult. Be honest. It's always been difficult. It's, <laughs> it's one of those places, you know, but um, when I arrived, there were a real domination of Arsenal and United. Then a few years later, it was Chelsea, you know, with the, uh, the new area when the guy came and, and brought Mourinho. all those players. Um, Mourinho. So for maybe five, six years, um, I never really... Um, came across the real Liverpool, you know, the big club that it is with the massive teams. They, they had great players, but it wasn't what it is now. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I've seen what it is now at the beginning of when Klopp arrived, when I was at City. And that moment, I felt what, and I realized what people were saying. But it wasn't even full on because now the last two, three years, what I'm seeing from them is just, okay, this is the Liverpool everyone is talking about. And this is caring. Just watching on TV, you know, it's a little bit like, kind of like Barcelona when Guardiola was there. You know, it's like you go there, but you know, you just go there. You know, you don't expect <laughs> anything, you know. You know, when I was at Arsenal and we, we, we play United, you know, it was the time they were so dominant that you get a draw over there, you're happy, you know. And mm. the, the day when we won 6-1 with City, I was like over the moon because this never happened to me, you know, and it's that kind of feeling. So yeah. my first few years, I could see, I could see the fans were strong and I could see, and, and you just think at the time, you think, oh my God, if they had like a team in the top three and competing Champions League, this place would be like crazy mad, you know, and now it is crazy mad since the last five, six years. And yeah. so 
if you ask me one of the, the, the worst stadium to play as a player with a full team and full uh, backup from the fan, I think this place is just like, uh, it's madness when you go there, you know? Oh, it's a dream. I think that moves on. I think that moves on to um, when you joined City. Um, you know how how did that move come about? What what um, what was your final decision in leaving Arsenal to go to to Man City? And obviously, you won two titles there, so it was really successful for you. You know, when I signed, um, people just took one of the, the line I said, and I said, I want to go there because I want to win trophies, you know, and it just came out like that. And people were upset because I said that. And it's not as simple as that. You know, when I signed for Arsenal, um, Arsene Wenger, more than just a football player, he made me perhaps the, the man I am today, because um, if you had the chance to sign two players with same abilities, but one would be uh, arrogant, and could cause trouble within the dressing room, and one was sound and respectful, he will always take that one. So my aim when I was there as a young player, as a young player, was to please this guy, to please this guy on the pitch, to give him back the, the chance he gave me, but also to conduct myself in a way that he will always be proud of me. And this I never had a chance to tell him because obviously when I left, you know, you, it's not like I left, I left to go to France or Spain. I went to, to a club saying that I, I want to win trophies. So I never had the chance to, to tell him. But um, for me, him coming to me after a game saying, Gail, you had an amazing game today, or him coming saying to me, you're a great man, was equal in the way that he would touch my heart, you know, like yeah. that much. Yeah. And, and knowing that he was so keen to, to have respectful players, I conduct myself every day in a way that he was going to be proud of me. And I think he just built me and gave me that, that, that feeling uh, that, of course, I want to be remembered as a, as a great or good player, whatever, but I want to be remembered as a great, great man who respected everybody. And that is deeply inside me. Uh, and when I came, he just clicked with what my parents gave me. So if you want, it was a natural uh, continuity into what I was going to become. And after a few years, I really believed that, you know, if you behave in a certain way, you will have something in return in football, I'm talking about. Yeah. But then you quickly realize that football is more than that. You know, sometimes there is um, your salary that will give you the chance to be on the team sheet rather than another player. There is some political um, issue also, you know, sometimes you have, I'm not saying that the president was telling him you have to play him, but in some club you see this. And I just felt that, you know, for eight years, I've seen things that didn't really um, please me and, and, and I wasn't winning. And I just felt that maybe perhaps it's the time to just break that circle because I'm working hard to do something and nothing is happening here. So it's part of me also, it's down to me also because I was one of the players who couldn't deliver what the club was expecting and the fan was expecting. Mm -hmm. But like I said, you know, if we talk back about those few questions before, you just realize that every time a player gets to a certain point of maturity, he's allowed to leave, you know? They were allowing those players to leave when they come to a point. They were not saying, we want you to leave, but they were not saying, we want you to stay. 
in football yeah. today, if you want your player to stay, he stays more or less, you know, it's not as simple, but it's like that. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't feel that, you know, he was coming with this new, they were coming with this new British core players. They had yeah. four or five players that they were promoting. And you just feel that, you know, they don't want you to leave, but they don't really want you to stay either. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? It was the hardest decision in my career. Mm. I was in London. My family was there. Uh, at that time, I wanted to finish my career at Arsenal. And I'm not saying this just, you know, to make it a good talk show. Uh, I really felt like that. But at the same time, I felt that they didn't want me to stay, you know? They wanted me to stay, but they didn't really want me to stay, if you know what I mean. And that is a big difference. Yeah. I remember, I don't remember if you remember Colotouré said when he left, that in football is like with your wife, you know? You have to feel that she loves you so you can love her, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's funny and people talk it, but it's like that, you know? You really need to feel more than, it's yeah. more than money. It's really like, come on guys, you know what? We stay, we want you to stay and you're gonna stay. It wasn't like that, so we decided to go. And after one week of being at City, I realized it was um, the best decision I did, uh, I took. It was the right one. And then after six years, you know, I've won a few trophies and, uh, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, wow. That's very true. We, we've all done that on, in our careers, but just at a smaller scale. Uh, but yeah, it, it, we, I, can, I see exactly what you're doing because that's quite funny because it does actually happen in the lower levels as well. You know, you're talking of a, a massive move there from Arsenal to Man City, but I'm sure a lot of players and that are listening to this can relate even at a lower level, you know, when you, you have that chance to move to a new club and you, you, you go there because you, you feel it, you know, you, you feel that it's the right decision for you and your family. So that's a really good insight. As you, as, as you said earlier, like from a young age, you, need, you needed something to motivate you. So you needed a challenge and maybe obviously you being so long at Arsenal, that challenge maybe was burning out a little bit and now you obviously seen a different challenge which gives you that motivation to go again i know for me that's a big thing well you, you know it's, it's funny you say this because i um uh, i do believe if if i could do my career again um i do believe that after three years in a club that's where you start to you know so you have that first year where you would just go full on because you have to prove everybody who you are yeah then you have that second session uh, second season sorry where you have to kind of show that it wasn't luck and that you have to be consistent and you have that free third or fourth season where it's human you just start to feel comfortable and you just start to ease a little bit and and i say this because i'm like i told you i'm not messi or ronaldo and uh, and to be where i am today i had to work like a crazy amount. Wow. So I will give you one thing. One, one, one physio at Arsenal told me, listen, you have to eat less sauce, not too much oil, steam, vegetable, pasta with olive oil. I did this for one year. My first year, I, did, I, I had all that every uh, dinner at home. So that tells you how much I wanted it. You know, if somebody was telling me, I was watching, okay, I was watching games, but I was watching Ashley Cole, Pires, Henry, Burkham, the way they conduct themselves, I was taking bits outside, how they were saying hello to people, how they were eating, the amount of water they were drinking. 
because I knew that I wasn't those players. But if I wanted to stay with those players, I had to do everything right to be at my best. My best is not meaning I'm the best, but it's my best. And I knew that my best was enough to guarantee me something good. And I did that. So at one point, you just, you know, there's the law for the game, but there is also that thing where you feel, okay, now I feel that it's time to go. And after one week, when I arrived at City, I gave everything at Arsenal, everything. But I arrived at City, and physically, I was giving exactly the same that I was giving at Arsenal. But perhaps mentally, because it's new and because uh, mm. you have a place to take and you, you, you're in a different environment, mentally, I was there. And that thing I told you about, you know, yeah, Christian wow. Wilson, you know, when he told me, there is a massive difference. And that's only five years after when I met Chris, that when he told me that, it was like, okay, so unconsciously, I realized that, but now somebody's telling me, so you're here, but are you really here, you know? So I was running the best, everyone, I was doing the best that I could, but perhaps they were like, it's only a 5%, you know, 5% change in how you want it. And perhaps you make the difference, you know? Wow. I hope every single player has just yeah, listened to massive. that story. That is, that like, I, I just listened to what you were saying there, Gail. And honestly, I feel like I didn't work hard enough. I'm, I'm, I'm like listening to you and I'm thinking, that's why you didn't make it to the level you got to, Lee, because you actually didn't want it enough. You know, and I, I honestly loved football. All I wanted to do was be a professional. I played professional, uh, a league, uh, league two. But listening to that story, I'm like, I just didn't work hard enough because that, that's, that's coming from someone that's played at the highest level. You know, that was, that was amazing. Well, you, you know, it's just, it's not that simple, but in a way, you know, I was talking with my wife and when I told her about that thing about Vera putting pressure on me when he was training, she was like, but you see, she was like, okay, you see that way that this guy was doing this. So you had to do more than him to be able to be there. She said, but I can guarantee you that no, nobody thinks like this. Oh, not everybody. She said, mm -hmm. me, if I'm there, I'm thinking, well, this guy won everything. He's working like this. So there will no chance I will catch this guy. So I don't need to work that hard. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, meaning like he's the number one. I will never take his place until he leaves. So... Why should I kill myself so in true. working so hard when I will not get it? And, you know, I was like, you're right, babe. You know, it's true. And I think there's a lot of players like that. And I've seen a lot of players like that, you know. And, and, and when I look at her and I said, you have a really good points, but it just tells you that we are not all equal. And there is something that I will see with my own eyes and something that you will see. And you just depend how you see it you know and that's uh, that's the beauty of life i guess and, and football is wow. is like that also okay i'll have um i've got a video that i want to show you and i really hope that the uh, the audio works on your side i'm just gonna i'm just gonna share my screen um i'm just it's just saying my internet's a little bit unstable there. i'm i'm wondering if you can see my screen i can see your screen okay perfect one second uh how do i minimize that hold on so I've got a video that I want to show you, and I hope that the audio works. Um, we come across it today, and we noticed that you were involved in it as well. Um, for me, 
It's one of the greatest moments I've ever seen on a football field, but I'll just let it play. It is the greatest <laughs> moment. <laughs> of course, in you. I think you come into the screen now with Joe Hart. That is mad. I've got goosebumps <laughs> watching this, by the way. Phenomenal. That's mad. There you are. There you are. Love it, Gail. <laughs> that is, that, honestly, it's just. I was. Wow. Um, I did some. Uh, I did. Um, yeah, I did something like that, you know, with uh, Mika Richards uh, two weeks ago. And, um, and we watched that game again, the highlights. And I told him that it was the first time that I've actually watched the game again. Wow. And, um, really? Yeah, yeah, it was the first time because, I don't know, after the game, you know, we had celebration, so I didn't bother. Then after we went on holiday and I was still buzzing. And then uh, <laughs> after it was the Euro, you know, it was, it was the Euro. So then something else, you know, it's a different emotions, you know, playing for your country. And then the season started again. And, you know, in the end, you know, you don't watch... I don't watch as much football as I used to do when I was younger. So it just, I just let it out. So I saw the goal, obviously. I saw the celebration because, you know, you, you come across on it. But I never really sat in front of a screen and, and, and watched it again. And, uh, and one of the guys asked me uh, if it was the, the best sensation and emotion I, I had, uh, I've had in my career. And, uh, and the biggest, you know, if he, if he feels that, if he thinks, if I think, sorry, that, uh, anything can be matched in football and I said well you know I never I will never win the World Cup uh, never won the Euro Championship and the Ballon d'Or or the Champions League um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the scenario of the season um, the way we've done it knowing that United thought they won it just a few <laughs> minutes before <laughs> then you know better. losing you know two that's what I mean, like losing 2-1 at three minutes to go and then coming back and scoring yeah. the goals. I don't think that in football you can repeat, when you no. take the whole package, I don't think you can repeat that feeling, you know. I mean, you win the World Cup, you win 3-0, then yeah, you won the World Cup and there is nothing better. But the scenario of the game, if we had gone and, 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 and won 3-0 against QPR at home yeah. in a sunny day like that uh, against a team who was going to drop, you know, nearly in, in, in the championship, ah, you would say that, okay, you won it, but, you know, one nil, three nil, it's, that's it. The way we've done it, yeah. I don't think it can match, you know, it can be match, you know, and that's, that's think, really what I feel. But I don't think we'll ever Once in a lifetime. Like yeah, anything like that again. And mm. when we were in the office, we were in the office today, just looking back at it, and we were like, we've seen Joe Hart running, and then we just seen you sprinting to him, like, there he is there, losing it. <laughs> that was no that was honestly that was a special day yeah that was a special day I, I can feel you guys becoming a city fans you know oh no <laughs> my, my dad will kill me <laughs> um gail i've got i've got to share the screen again i've got three photos i want to show you and i want you to tell me who was the hardest player to mark um so i just got to share my screen again so i'm just going to get them up give me a second so I want you to tell me who was the hardest to mark out of these three players. So we've got Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Neymar. And your pick just those three. three. Just those three. Just those three, mate. Um, <laughs> nothing. Nothing too big. Okay. Uh, who was the hardest so, player to mark out out of them three? So I will answer for those three, but I was pretty sure when you mentioned it that you were not going to. Show me on picture the, the player that gave me the most trouble. 
Uh, and, <laughs> and, and the player where I struggled the most was uh, Sean White Phillips. Wow. Wow. Oh, he was. My game is about anticipation, you know? So um, I use my speed on few meters to go in front of people. And I started to use video uh, analyze. Uh, when I was at Arsenal, at the time we didn't have any of the, the application that we can use now, but I was going on YouTube and I was clicking on, let's say I play against uh, Shen. Oh, no. You can see uh, a pattern into, a, into a, um, a player. So what kind of move and dribble he likes to make. So you can kind of use that. You will know if a player is clean on his first touch. Yeah, and if yeah, he's not, yeah. you can just jump onto him quick. If the guy is neat on the ball, you will have to, to come close, but you have to keep some distance, you know. So I was able to, to kind of see who I was playing against. But this guy, I think he never had a pattern and a, a favorite um, movement to go past his player. It was just about being fast, quick fit, and he often had like when it was the ball was 50-50, the ball will come back to him because of, you know, <laughs> because of, you know, the, his, his, I, think, I don't know if you, if you say this, his eagerness of, of beating you, you know, he wanted oh, wow. to beat you so much that the ball will come back to him. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's like that, you know, and so you, you cannot read him. And I don't think he can even read himself because he play with instincts, you know, so you will have someone <laughs> like Robin who is, perhaps better than him, I don't know. But you kind of know he will go inside, inside and out and then take his left, wow. you know? So he does it so well that sometimes, most of the time, you cannot stop him. But in a way, it's less hard than a guy that will go one time right, one time left, one time the ball will go through your legs, one time the ball will... <laughs> and then he will go and goal, you know? And it was really a difficult player to play against. He was small, he was maybe faster than me, and I really mm. struggled with him. But then you're talking about three of the best players of the, the last 20 years. Um, and, um, and I cannot pick one. You know, I never played against yeah. Neymar, but I played against Messi and, and Ronaldo. You cannot pick one. You, know, you, you, you just count because um, I had some good game against Ronaldo. There is a game where it was a bit more difficult. I had good games against Messi, and I can remember clearly. But then, example, that game when I had a good game, he scored four goals against us. So what does it mean? You know, does it mean I had a good game? You know, you know he what I mean. Okay, so, didn't have a bad game. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you know, it's like you know, there is game and game. And in football, I think sometimes we we kind of um, lose the, the. You know, you could have a player who play a solid ninety minutes. He would have an amazing game. Every control he did was perfect. The pass was the right choice. Uh, never been beaten. And then you will have a player who's been, as a left back uh, or right back, he's been awful all game. That's so bad. You know, he's been dribbled 10 times. Cross was coming on the side. But we don't concede. Keeper makes save. We clear the ball. And then at the 80, 92 seconds, 92 minutes, the guy who is overlapping, cut back, 1-0, we win the game best defender of the game you know wow. and today yeah. in football is more about well football in the end is that you know why strikers yeah. are being paid so much because they do what other people cannot do and and obviously you score goals you win games but 
sometimes it's more about looking at the whole game and who is being involved during the whole game uh, and who's being doing something, one action at the 89th minute, you know. And for me, yeah. there's a big difference for football fans and for people know because if you play so bad during the whole game but you score the winner and you, and you win the World Cup, then fair enough. But I would always give more credit to someone like Joe Lescott, who's been amazing for the four or five years he played at City, never get mentioned because he's not doing something catchy. You know, yeah, that, he will not yeah. smash the ball from 40 yards for the wingers. He will not yeah. score that free kick that would be remembered as one a hell of a free kick. But if you look at the career consistently, he was probably one of the best. So I'm more, maybe it's because I'm a defender. <laughs> maybe it's because I'm not that kind of guy who can decide a game that I'm speaking like that. Yeah. But I do feel that, you know, a bit like basketball, you know, you have the guy who score goals, the guy who get the rebound, the guy, the guy who get the, 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 the snatch, you know, things like that. And this is good because everybody got his own job and football should be more leaning toward this, you know, because you can have uh, that guy who is doing like amazing game for 90 minutes who doesn't get mentioned, example, because he's not doing something amazing. But every weekend is giving you that, James Milner. And you will have that guy who is giving you one thing every five games, but what he gives you is like dribbling five people, top corner, one nil. I have a James Milner in my team, on my team sheet, every weekend if I'm a coach. Yeah. I think what does it, mean? Does, it mean I would, does it mean I'm going to be a great manager? Yeah. I don't know. But I would want people like that in my team rather than someone who is just messing around and then eventually would get you one goal, you know? So it's difficult yeah. because you need those players to win games, but yeah. I'm a James Miller kind of guy, you know? Definitely. I think we actually, as coaches, we say this to our players a lot. We say, do you watch football? And they say, yeah. And then we say, well, no, do you actually watch, watch football? Mm. Where if you're a left back, do you watch someone in your position? And do you appreciate the jobs that they do? And, you know, you, you get most football fans that just want to see the goals, you know. And us as coaches, we analyse everything. And I feel like, you know, your true football passionate fans can really, really appreciate what defenders do and roles that, pe that people take up. But I think, you know, most of the fans just want to see the goals, the skills, the tricks. And this is why it's great to have someone like yourself on our podcast. We, we have a lot of aspiring young players that will listen to this, you know, and it's going to be so beneficial for them to hear what you're saying, you know, and appreciate the game a lot more. And that's what we try and say to our players a lot. Watch players in your position. Don't just always watch what the goal scorers are doing, you know. Um, unbelievable, Gail. What, what a podcast, mate. It's been going for over an hour, mate. <laughs> well, I've got one, like, one last question. Just one, one quick one question, Gail. Yeah, this, is, this is more... Nah, nah, it's not an Arsenal question. It's more for us, like, for joining a one-on-one as a, as a business. Um, because it really struck me, obviously, that you mentioned that when you were at early days at Arsenal and then even Man City, you had the chance to work individually with a coach. Um, because I know, obviously, there's this idea that when you're in a, in a club, you just work with your teammates and there isn't really room for that individual training where you train with just you and another coach, which is obviously something that our business is based around. Um, but obviously those five percenters that you're talking about are very important. So do you think going forward, there's going to be more of a place for that specific individual coach inside a professional environment? Example, a guy who just works with the strikers or might work with just one player or a guy that just works with the midfielders, that sort of thing. 
is there do you think there'll be more of a place for that in the future i think you can see already that is we, we're going that way um and it's not just because of uh, anything but more because football is evolving every year and football is different than when i arrived at arsenal and and i do believe that in the near future or maybe a bit uh, further um we will have more individualized uh, program um, gym program you can see already players um, having their own um, fitness coach at home they have their gym because football 20 years ago credit what is due you know those players at the time were amazing but they were not running 13 kilometers every game they were not reaching 30k kilometers on the sprint they were not playing every three days for nine months um, they could afford to go out after the game and drink. Today, you cannot do that. You know, it's more, today we perhaps doing something that the body isn't supposed to do. You know, we're pushing the machine way, 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 way mm. behind what the body is, is made for. And, and for that, you need to work on the pitch with your teammate. But when you go home, you watch some training, you watch some ideas, you go on the, on, on the pitch behind your house, you practice, how do you think Neymar is getting all those tricks? Because he has a ball in his hand and he's doing everything, you know? They're saying that I think every day a young player should touch the ball 10,000 times. Where do you get 10,000 times touching <laughs> ball by training one hour and a half, you know, in, in, yeah. with, with your club? So yeah. you go home in your garden or with your teammates <laughs> and you practice. You hit the ball against the wall and you basic stuff. Control left, control right, outside, inside. I love these things, you know? And I do believe that we are going to that, you know, now you have players that have their own private chef, they have their own physio, they have their own, um, yeah. uh, they have their own clinic. Ronaldo got his own clinic, you know, he's, he's very like, he's, he's advanced, but of course we're going to that. And those who are not doing that will not progress the way those who are doing it will progress. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, you know, with the social media now for you guys and people who want to be in that game, um, there will be plenty of jobs, you know, like, you know, I send my, to my brother, I send him your, your account on Instagram. And I said, listen, if you're bored with the lockdown, just take your ball and just do what they do. Because by doing this, I do believe that's how I've been raised as a player, but yeah, I do believe legend. the more you repeat, the better you get. And yeah. if you look at, um, NBA player, they will tell you they shoot the ball 800 times a day. Obviously, you cannot shoot 800 times as a player because you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. But you can control and pass the ball against the wall and, and skipping and, you know, yeah. 10,000 times easy. Gail, we, um, I've got a job application if you want to come and join the Joe Norn on one team. <laughs> special uh, if you give special me that, appearance. If you give me that T-shirt, if you give me that T-shirt and the hat, I'm coming. Not, <laughs> a, not a problem, mate. You can do... Um, <laughs> You can do. You can use our program and just coach players in uh, in Turkey or wherever you're going to finish your career. <laughs> no problem. Well, you know what? Now we are in lockdown, so um, uh, they gave us few few. Like we stopped six six weeks ago, and they gave us two weeks off. And then after they gave us a program, which I didn't follow, I followed my own program. Uh, but I, I didn't stop, so I trained from Monday to Friday, and I just rest Saturday, Sunday. And if I tell you guys. I, t I took so many oh, sessions of you. There's your hat. <laughs> my sessions. So, Gail Cleachy's so, so doing our session, please. Love it. If Gail Cleachy's doing it, everyone else has to do them. That's I'm not lying, you know. Uh, and the boys like it, you know, because I train with two other guys and uh, they love it. So, um, no, honestly, it's just um, 
you we talking the same language in yeah, terms of training and uh yeah. and for sure you in the you're in the right way guys honestly. thank you so much we didn't even Appreciate ask you it, about man. we didn't even ask you about pep guardiola that's probably another two hours in itself <laughs> um but listen uh maybe we can get podcast number two but i just want to say a huge thank you take care from myself shane and jules um it's a it's a huge honor mate we started doing this podcast like we just came up with it on an airplane and now we've got some really (laughs) good guests lined up if you want to just message uh, aguero see if he wants to come on it you know Anyone, anyone that you know, you know. <laughs> I can, I can, but you know, it's, it's the way forward. So I think if you just approach people with a good, yeah. with a good subject, there is no reason. Everybody like that, either for sharing or just for being there and being seen, because some people like that. Uh, there is always room for anyone. So uh, you ask yeah. me, I can ask, and uh, oh, of course you can also you're, ask them. You know. Yeah, absolutely amazing, mate. And like I said, if there's anything you need from us, any help with sessions. We're here for you, mate. Yeah. And if you want to work for John, come to Australia for a little bit. Come down yeah. to Sydney, mate. You ever, Sydney's an amazing place. It's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney's an amazing place. I, so I can... when when you come into your world gender your career, highly recommend coming, mate. Amazing beaches, amazing food. Maybe and a bit of A League, mate. One yeah, we can help you. Uh, we can help you out with all of that, mate. So no I problem. Keep, I keep this in mind for sure. I keep this in mind. Definitely. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, again, Gail, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, stay safe in this time. I hope your family's well. And I'm sure we'll keep in touch, my friend. For sure. No problem, guys. Thank you very much. Gail, thank you so much. And, uh, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Stay safe, my You're friend. Legend, All the best mate. for the rest of your season. See you guys. Keep in touch. See you later. Thank mate. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Lad. <laughs> lads, what, what, what just happened, lads? What a podcast, by the way. What a podcast that is. Oh, that was one not of the just best things I've ever done. Not just because it's our, our podcast, boys. It's like as a football fan, that is up there with like a, one of the best insights you can get to be to be a player. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm honestly gonna make sure that millions of people listen to this across the world because. I'm honestly blown away with the actual insight that he just gave us there. And yeah, you can't get any higher than what he's played at and what he's achieved, you know? Like, Gail Clichy, lads. It's like, not just that he was Gail Clichy. Like, he was very honest about his career and, and everything that it took him to get to where he is now. Phenomenal, I know boys. He said in the podcast, you know, about him admiring Wenger and turning him into a great human being as well as a footballer. But what a guy, lads. Like, take... Take Gail Clichy, the football, out of it. He's what, what a guy. Yeah. That's it. And, and that's what really kind of struck me from the way, how honest and, and open he was, you know. And what a guy, yeah. I'm blown away. I, I was, I was, oh, Jules, I was just watching your face, mate. I was like, because you're, you're like a massive Arsenal fan. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I was just like, looking at your face and you. <laughs> no, because, like, that's what I mean. <laughs> He was so honest when he spoke about his time at Arsenal as well and obviously coming into a change room with Henri Vieira, our listeners would have heard it. I just, like, I, you expect to hear something but not that much detail. And, like, for me, it was amazing. Like, as a fan, it's like you get an insight into your club. It was, it was much, amazing. Like, oh, I just, yeah. How hard did he work, boys? Like, it sounded like he just was, every day, he was just working his socks off. 
That's um, it, yeah. Yeah. Without without sounding cliche, but honestly, honestly, if you want to be a footballer, you have to listen to that sort of thing and really, really take something out of it. Like some of the stuff you said, if not everything, is what is needed to be a professional footballer and more. It was, oh. it, was ex- it was really, really good. It was amazing. I I cannot believe that his opening line was comparing Jonah one-on-one to what he used <laughs> to do at Arsenal. I think that's a credit to what we do, boys. And um, I had I had a I had a moment when he said that. I was like thinking back to when I first started Jonah one-on-one to Gail Clichy telling me that he's, his training is the same as what it was like at the Invincibles. I'm like, what the hell has he just said? But we're just three passionate guys that love the game. And I'm telling you now, if you haven't rated our podcast or shared this, then <laughs> I don't know what more we can do for you, to be honest. We're what an insight. Like that's, we're that's trying our best for you. I don't know. What more <laughs> can we do for our fans, Shane? Hey, we'll keep going. We'll keep trying for you. <laughs> just, oh, just for we... You got Messi, Neymar, Ronaldo, and he's gone Sean Wright Phillips. That was interesting. But, but that's but what that, he's very honest. But exactly, that's what I was going to say. That's 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 what you want. Completely honest, yeah. and that's what he felt. You know, which is a credit to him. Wow, I, I'm just I'm actually speechless. I'm gonna um, <laughs> I'm actually gonna listen to that podcast probably about fifty times yeah, <laughs> in my car. But boys, I'm 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 hoping that this is a start of. It is. Well, we've got some good guests lined up, haven't we, Shane? Massive guests. You know, guys, G- I don't know what Gail, Gail, Gail has set the bar high. Yeah, <laughs> so very high. <laughs> we, we'll try our best to get up there. Oh, that, That's amazing. But, um, guys, that's us. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, Gail Cliche, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what a guy. Thank you so much for coming on, yeah. Gail. If you're still listening to the end of this podcast, what a professional insane Shane Jules that's us out if um, and I'll just go over that if you if you guys are listening and you've made it this far which obviously hope you have um, giving us a like a comment and um, a rating or subscribe it's massive for us obviously we're trying our best to provide obviously um, you guys with the best knowledge and, and guess we can so by doing that it helps us out a lot to get it out to obviously more people so yeah, We'd really amazing. appreciate that. Love it, head of podcast, Shane Murray. Amazing, guys. Lads, we've come a long way from my kitchen in, uh, <laughs> in Manly with a pair of yeah. um, headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Love it, Shaz. Oi, I, was v- I was so scared when you started talking, Shane. I was like, Gail, I need to... I don't want to write that down for you, Gail. I'll just put it in the chat. Here. You know, but you know when you can hear your voice in, in, the, in your headphones as well, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Hopefully, come out. Love it. Lads, that's us. Sorry. I I think we can actually talk about it all day, can't we? What a podcast. Anyway, lads, hey, we've got to prepare for our next podcast. You know what I mean? We don't stop there. We're going to prepare for sessions tomorrow mornings at uh, Charles Bean. Yeah, I need to have to my wife. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to be divorced in the morning. You know what I mean, lads? Yeah, bro. You just did a podcast with Gail Clichy, bro. You know what I mean? I know. I'll just marry Gail Clichy. It's worth it, bro. Right, lads. All right, lads. On you. I'll see you in the morning at Charles Bean for some training sessions. Let's go. See you then. Yeah, catch you in the next guys. one. See you. See you on yes, legends. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please follow us on all our social media platforms and don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you on the next one.